الله وكفى وسلام على بعده الذي نصطفى أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذا سلك عبادي عني فإني قريب أجيب دعوة الداعي إذا دعان فليستجيبوا لي وليؤمنوا بي لعلهم يرشدون صدق الله العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who guided us and granted us iman and were not for his favors and guiding us we would not have been guided and we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and his progeny and his companions and his wives and all those that followed him in their ways. Jazakumullah khairan everyone for coming to the Mihrab Foundation Sacred Knowledge class on the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You try to ignore my son if he comes in the front. <laughs> uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we've arrived at the last two names. Bumped his head. <laughs> if he'll go, if he'll, yeah, if he'll go to you. Oh, yeah, that's why you're doing it. Yeah, taking it for the team, huh? Okay, just take it one for the whole team. Okay. Okay, I guess he just wants to sit there. Yeah, he's going to mess around. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, we've arrived at the last two names that are mentioned as part of the 99 names. As part of the 99 names, and that is... <laughs> and that is Ar-Rashid, which means the right in guidance. <clears throat> and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has this beautiful name, but it is a name that is not mentioned in the Quran. It is alluded to. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the verse that was recited, وَإِذَا سَلَكَ عِبَادِي anni," That if my slave asks of me and my servant asks of me, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Then indeed I am near. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ that I answer, I respond to the call of the caller when, when he calls. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي So let them respond to me. So they should respond to me as well. وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And they should believe in me. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they may be rightly guided. So Rashid comes from the name, from the root word Rushd. And Rushd means guidance and righteousness. So this is the antithesis to straying and crookedness. It is the opposite. <clears throat> Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he says that the right and guidance is the one whose plans are ordered to their goals according to approved ways of acting without any indication of an advisor or the directions of a director or the guidance of a guide. And he is Allah. May he be praised and exalted. Every man is rightly guided in the measure that he is directed by right reason in the plans that he makes to assimilate himself to God with regard to his intentions, his religious duties, and his worldly affairs. So every individual is rightly guided in the measure that they are directed to by right reason, in the plans that he makes, that an individual makes to assimilate himself, herself, that, he, that an individual assimilates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regard to their intentions and regards to their religious duties and their worldly affairs. Meaning, you are rightly guided if everything is in accordance with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with what Allah ta'ala has laid out as good and what Allah Ta'ala has laid out as bad. Islam is, you know, people will ask you about Sharia. What is Sharia? How, what do you feel about, sh you know, Sharia law? 
the Sharia is something that is all inclusive of everything. It is, it is, Islam is a religion for everyone, right? So it is for the leader of a nation, it is for the generals, it is for the farmers, it is for the business and the people in business, it is for uh, what, it is for everyone, despite what facet of life they might be in. And so the Sharia is all-encompassing. It teaches you what to do despite what situation you are in. And so, whatever situation we are in, we have to see how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala view that? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decree as being good regarding a, an affair? Or what does He de, uh, uh, decree as being bad or sinful regarding an affair? And then we, we act accordingly and we plan accordingly. The ulama have mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the righteous teacher. Being ar-rashid, he is the righteous. So rushd means rightly guided. It means uh, uh, guidance and righteousness. And so he is the righteous teacher who ordains righteousness for all creatures. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he never fails in his wisdom or his actions. Teachers and guides can fail in their actions. They can have a plan. They can try to guide you. you know, but uh, not everybody needs the same type of guidance Sometimes people only know how to guide in a, in a specific way or they only know how to teach in a particular manner. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like that. He, is, he has perfection in His being able to guide and that He guides people differently. Right? One thing, and that's, what, that's one of the beauties of the Qur'an and the sunnah of Rasulullah is that there, are, there is such a huge variety of examples for us. Why are there a variety of examples for us in how to be guided? Why did Rasulullah use different types of metaphors? Why did he use metaphors? Why was he literal in certain situations? He made, uh, uh, certain, gave certain examples, different examples for every different type of person because everybody is moved by different things. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never, never fails in his wisdom or his actions. We only fail to realize the wisdom and, uh, uh, behind why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does what he does. They mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-powerful, but He does not enforce His teachings. So He is all-powerful, and He has put the guidance out there, but He does not uh, force you to act on that. What does He do? He leaves a way for us. He leaves a path for us to act upon what we learn. So He's given us that free will. If He wanted, He could have just forced us to do whatever it is He wanted. That's kind of the situation of the angels. Right? They are created, and they don't act on their free will. They just, Allah ta'ala gives them a command, and they do it. That's why, perhaps that is why there is so much reward for insan, for humanity, when they do, right, when they engage in righteousness. Because we had the option and the ability to do evil, and we still refrain from it. So, because we have that ability, and Allah Ta'ala has allowed us, meaning that He's given us the free will, if we stay away from that, well then, that is a higher reward from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The ulama mentioned that as students, so speaking about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as a righteous teacher, so then who are the students? We are the students. So as students, we must first be aware of what is being taught. We have to recognize and realize what the situation is. And you'll notice this, people sometimes they'll ask questions and they will jump from one thing to the next in the same conversation, in the same sentence, start talking about all, like they'll ask you things about religion and they'll jump from one thing to the next that are not related to each other, but they will start, uh, and, then, and then it gets difficult to answer give an answer to that question. Why? Because they're asking two different things. <clears throat> I'm debating on whether to give you the example coming to my mind because this happened last week. That's why it's coming to my mind <laughs> in one of my other classes. Right, but they will, they will ask you about different things 
I mean, somebody asked me about hijab, right? So we're teaching a sira class, and we spoke about the verses of hijab and when that was revealed and whatnot. And individuals start asking about hijab, and then he went into uh, marriage, and then he started talking about, like, I don't know what he was... I even I was confused as to what he was talking about. When I actually asked him, you know, I think you're speaking about several different things here. He said, yeah, I actually do that. And then he just got up and he left. <laughs> <laughs> So we have to recognize what, what it is that's being taught. What is the objective of the lesson, right? Otherwise, what do we do? We just remember facts. We remember nice slogans. We remember nice stories, but we don't take a lesson from it. We don't actually benefit from it except for being able to tell a nice story. So we have to recognize what is being taught. Then use intelligence that has been given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, to discipline and educate our egos. So we're talking about Rashid, the one that is uh, right in guidance. So guidance affects our, or what do, what do we have to take guidance for on how to control our egos? So we understand and, and become aware of what Allah Ta'ala is teaching, what the lessons are, what the reasons for all of these things are, um, uh, or, you know, that He revealed, like, what the objective of the, of the lesson is. And then we use the intelligence given to us to curb our egos, to discipline our egos and our lower selves. Then learn the divine laws in accordance with what Allah Ta'ala has taught and Drive the machine. So one of, my, one of my mentors gave a very nice example saying what? It's like the rider and the horse. That your lower self is the horse. And you are the rider. So how foolish would be that individual who gets on the horse and lets the horse go wherever it wants. That's not what happens. Despite the power of that horse, you have to bring it under control. And so be that rider that, that brings that... You know, don't let the... How foolish would be the one who... Let the horse ride, ride you, right? <laughs> to be foolish. You wouldn't be able to do so. It would cause your destruction. One, because what is the horse going to be able to tell as far as where to go exactly? And second, you physically would not be able to do so. And so similarly, if we let our nafs be the rider, and we be that the beast who doesn't know what to do, or is, is despite having the ability to overcome the ego, and the horse has the ability is more powerful than us. But if we submit to our ego the way the horse submits to the rider, well, we will break, right? Both in the situation of the horse and in the situation of the ego. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has said in the Qur'an, إِذْ أَوَلْ فِتْيَةُ إِلَى الْكَهَفِ فَقَالُوا رَبَّنَا آتِنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً وَهَيِّئْ لَنَا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا رَشَدًا Does anyone know where this is from? Surah Al-Kahf, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is in the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, that He says that when the youth went, they, saw, they, they went into refuge and they went into hiding in the cave. And they said, O oh our Lord, grant us mercy from your side and make, grant us guidance in our affair. So they asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that guidance. Right? They fled from an oppressive nation and they didn't know what to do. They asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance. And He guided them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala similarly has said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a few verses down, has said that whoever Allah ta'ala lets go astray, then that individual will not find for himself any, any helper nor any guide. So that's why we need to become mindful of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put around us, what lessons He has taught. The beauty in the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa uh, and then follow that guidance. That He puts it out, He puts His guidance out for us. So we shouldn't simply make dua that, Oh Allah, we shouldn't simply supplicate that, Oh Allah, you know, uh, 
show me the right way. We should ask him for the ability and ask him for the success and the tawfiq of being able to walk on that right path when it is shown to us. Because people and ourselves, we're shown the right path all the time, regularly. But then we don't end up walking on that path. And so an individual should wake up in the morning and they should rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever we are faced with, we should seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we are confused between two affairs, then go against your nafs. Go against your nafs, your lower self. Go against that thing that your nafs just wants to do because it's just the easy thing to do. Because it benefits yourself the most and nobody else. Right? Go against your nafs. You can never trust your lower self. Because its only concern is its, is its own benefit, even at the expense of the rest of the body. Right? So for example, one of the diseases of the heart and, and diseases of the nafs is gluttony. Right? But the nafs just wants to keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. You know, somebody told me once, it was, I was just about to leave South Africa, and they have amazing food, um, like uh, restaurant food, <laughs> steaks and stuff that are not really available here, you know, um, uh, as, as halal. And so we went for a wedding, and uh, I was eating and eating, and then the guy next to me, he says, you know, why aren't you eating more? You have to take advantage now, because, you know, when you're 50, 60 years old, you're going to have diabetes and sugar problem and cholesterol. So take advantage now so you don't regret it later. But subhanAllah, the reality is that what? If we, eat, if we stuff ourselves now like our nafs wants, that's going to physically cause us problems. Spiritually it will as well, but physically it's going to cause us problems. Uh, and then in a few hours, it won't have made a difference. We'll be hungry again. You know. So if we follow our nafs, if we listen to our nufus, to our lower selves, then... It's just going to go lead us to our destruction, both in the in the worldly sense and in the hereafter. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, or rather, uh, uh, Rashid, as we mentioned, is righteousness and it is guidance. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, or Rasulullah rather, he mentioned in a hadith, very famous hadith, uh, that is you know a little bit longer, but he said it's not too long, but he said that there would be a lot of uh, tribulations and differences after me. After I'm gone, there will be a lot of differences. And he says, فَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ ذَلِكَ مِنْكُمْ فَعَلَيْهِ بِسُنَّتِي He said that whoever sees that time when there's so many differences and there's so many problems, whoever, whichever of you sees that time, witnesses that, that time, then upon you, necessary for you is my sunnah, my way. And the way of the Khulafa Rashidin, the rightly guided Khulafa that came, Ar-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin, the rightly guided Khulafa that come after me. Addu alayha bin nawajid. And you should bite onto it with your molars. So the Khulafa Rashidin were Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Umar bin al-Khattab, Umar al-Faruq, Uthman al-Ghani, and Ali Murtada radiallahu anhum. The rightly guided Khulafa Rashidin. We won't go into a history lesson as to like why, you know, what was the situation? Because Hassan Radhiallahu also became a leader after him for a few months. Muawiyah Radhiallahu also became a leader after him for some time, and like after that, there was a lot of corruption, right? But um, we don't go into the technicalities as to why are the Khulafa Rashidin restricted to these four, and it's not a it's not necessarily a deficiency on the part of Hassan and, and Muawiyah Radhiallahu But anyway, this is a hadith of Ibn Majah that what are we to do? Follow the sunnah of Rasulullah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa that came after him. Follow their way. Know what it is they did, how they acted. They 
did things that were differently, right? One small example, one very small example. Rasulullah used to sit on the top step of his mimbar. And after he passed away and Abu Bakr became the Khalifa, then what did he do? He didn't sit on the top step because he said, no, that's, I can't sit up there because this is the, the, the place of the Prophet So he sat on the second step. When Umar Adno became the Khalifa, he said, no, those two were way better than me. I can't sit on their place. So he sat on the, la- the last step. When Uthman Adno became the Khalifa, he went to the top. <laughs> so he showed us, not that he was claiming to be in the st- status of Rasulullah but showing us that, look, this, in this matter, like, it's okay. You can, you can do that. And what would happen, you know, as my teacher said, like, you're going to just have to start digging into the ground and keep getting lower and lower, <laughs> right? Uh... And so that's a very simple example, like not showing us what to do in exactly like fitna and fasad, but they did things in different ways. Uh, and this, by this hadith, it opened up the way for us and it made the deen not so restricted and not so confined. So there are different ways to do things. And the ulama mentioned that the greatest teacher, the reason I'm saying that ulama and not Imam Ghazali is because what I read from the book is all he says. So there's other books that speak about this subject. And they say that the greatest teacher, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and also if you think like in, in our sense, the best of our teachers are those that make the students love them. They treat them in such a way that the students love them. And they love to do what the teacher says. And they love to work for the pleasure and righteousness and, uh, uh, of the teacher. And so in the same way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the greatest teacher. And He has demanded certain things of us and He has prohibited certain things from us. Yet people love Him. And they love him to an extent that is, you cannot, we cannot fathom, we cannot understand, we cannot measure. And they love to do what he says. Uh, we were just reading in the books of Sira about the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, where one of the Quraysh came to, to uh, negotiate with Rasulullah And when he went back to the Quraysh, what did he say? He said, I've been to the courts and the palaces of Caesar and of Khusro and of Najashi, and I've been to all these courts and palaces of these, these kings who have huge dominions, uh, huge, huge domains, but I haven't seen anybody love or act the way, uh, with their leader the way I have seen the followers of the Prophet act with him. That when, if some spit happens to come out of his mouth, they catch it, and they will wipe it on themselves. When he makes wudu, the water that is dripping, they catch it and wipe it on themselves. They will... Uh, you know, when he speaks, then they are pin drop silent. They don't look at him directly even in the eyes. They keep their gaze down and look at him. And, and if a hair falls from him, it's as though they are fighting to get it. So what he was, the Prophet even said, I was sent as a teacher. I was only sent as a teacher. And he was that teacher that his direct students, the companions, they loved him and they loved to do what he says and they would do it without question. Absolutely without question. Right, one such companion, what did he do? I'm forgetting if this was Jafar bin Abi Talib or not, but um, uh, I think it was someone else. But they, what did they do? The Prophet told him he had cupping done, right? Bloodletting and had the cu- blood pulled out of his body. And he said, uh, you, guys, you guys all know what cupping is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone knows now because the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> he said, he gave it to his companion. He said, go get rid of this. Put it somewhere that no one will get it. So the companion, like, he goes, and he thinks for a moment, and uh, what does he do? He drinks it. He comes back, and the Prophet asks him, what did you do with it? He said, it's somewhere that no one will get to it. So what did you do with it? He said, I drank it. So the Prophet said, 
you know, that uh, to the effect that uh, uh, the one who the blood of the Prophet has mixed with will not be punished. Right? This was the love that they had. Now, there were some of the ulama of the past, Hassan Basri, rahimahullah, who's a great tabi, Jafar al-Sadiq, rahimahullah, who's from the Ahlul Bayt, Imam Shibli, rahimahullah, uh, they said that they, they held the opinion that Ar-Rashid is the greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we've mentioned a few different names of people saying, ulama saying that this is the greatest name or this is the greatest name. And what did we say in the very beginning? In reality, we don't know what is that name that Allah Ta'ala has said, uh, uh, that if people, that the Prophet said that if they call upon Allah with that name, then uh, it is necessary for him to, to, to answer that. But as we also mentioned that the name Allah is all-inclusive of all of these different names. <clears throat> so moving on to As-Sabur. As-Sabur is the, the last and final name that is mentioned in the hadith of the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is the patient one. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, فَمَا وَهَنُوا لِمَا أَصَابَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَمَا ضَعُفُوا وَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Imran, that uh, uh, they do not... They do not let up uh, in, the path of Allah, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when something afflicts them. Uh, or whatever afflicts them, they do, not, uh, uh, they do not give up in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nor do they become weak, nor do they, um, nor do they relent, nor do they abase themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the patient ones. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are patient. So linguistically, what does this mean? Linguistically, it means to withhold oneself from expressing grief. Linguistically, exp- uh, hold oneself from expressing grief. Uh, it means to hold back, to restrain. So that's why the month of Ramadan is called the month of patience. Because you're literally holding yourself back from those things that are permissible to you. Now there are three types of sabr, three types of patience. Uh, as-sabr ala ta'at sabr on obedience having sabr uh, uh, in being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sabru anil ma'asiyah having patience in refraining from those things which are sinful and sabru alal aqdar and having patience with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed this last one sometimes is known by different, different names but being patient with what Allah ta'ala has decreed so you try and put in your effort and whatever happens, have patience even if it goes against like what would have been uh, uh, easy for you and what would have been, you know, what you thought would have been best for you. So having patience in that as well. So what does, as, what does, what does as-sabur mean for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Sabr is to have patience. So the opposite of being patient is being hasty. Not having patience, being hasty. But regarding Allah Ta'ala, there is no inclination of haste. This is, non, this is totally non-existent. He cannot be hasty. This is an impossibility. Right? So, in regards to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, it means that Allah Ta'ala does not advance a thing earlier, nor delay it beyond its appropriate time. Everything that happens, happens at the precise time that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala intended it, and the precise time that would have accomplished the task that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala had whatever Allah Ta'ala had intended and everything he does is exactly in proportion to what was needed for perfection more specifically Allah Ta'ala grants respite to the sinners uh, uh, and he does not take them to task so that they may repent 
what would have been rightful for Allah is that, you know, just like in our judicial life, when somebody commits a crime, they're taken to task for it, right? How many times have you been pulled over by a cop and said, just let me off, give me a warning, and they say no, you know, tough luck. But then like when it goes to an actual crime, you get punished. There's consequences, right? There might be a varying degree as to the consequences, but there are consequences. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He never takes us to task the first time we do a wrong. Never. And most of the time, He lets us go on for years and years doing that wrong. Continuously having respite. And the most major of sins, the sins that are most disliked to Allah ta'ala, well, some, like shirk for example, right? Disbelief or associating partners with Allah, He lets that go and He doesn't punish you, He doesn't punish us for our entire lifetime, He doesn't punish us for that. Right? So he constantly, continuously, he grants respite, grants respite, so that he may give us an opportunity to repent to him. So the difference between, now, uh, as-sabur is very similar to halim. And halim was the, the tolerant one, right? Uh, the difference between the two is that in regards to sabur, it is that nobody is safe from the penalty of Allah. So Allah Ta'ala has, He is patient with us in that He does not, uh, uh, he does not punish us or give us consequences immediately, but we are not safe from never having, from never being punished. Whereas Halim tells us that he is patient with us, but it, it, there is safety from not uh, uh, from not being punished. There is safety from being punished. So it's like technical difference between the two. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He is a sabur because He is true to you, even though He is true to us, even though we may be rude to Him. Even, he forgives us even after we have shunned Him, even after we have revolted against Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give us, despite, our, uh, transgre- despite us transgressing against the rights of Allah ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, is the one who is not hasty, but He decides a matter according to His definite plan. Allah ta'ala has a plan, and according to that plan, He carries it out. He is not hasty in anything. He does not allow procrastination, nor... Uh, uh, bring or, or he does not allow uh, for there's no procrastination is not allowed for him nor does he bring anything forward beyond its time but rather he disposes of the affairs in their appropriate time right in the way that is needed and in the way that is required Imam Bukhari rahimullah he narrates a hadith by Abu Musa al-Ashari radiallahu that he said that Rasulullah s.a.w. said that uh, there is none who is more patient regarding the pain regarding the harm regarding uh, the pain that he hears then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They ascribe sons to him while he grants them good health and sustenance. So this can be taken in a more broader sense as well. That despite everything that we hurl at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala, he still grants them good, he still grants us good health and sustenance. He still gives us food. He still gives us our livelihood. Whereas what is our situation? Somebody does something bad to us, immediately we want to turn away from that person. We don't want to have patience with that person. We want to get back at that person. Right. Uh, now, what about a sabur? What can what ex- what lesson can we take from it? That regarding insan, Imam Qushayri rahimullah, he said that a person who is halim. So we mentioned halim and sabur. A person who is halim is one who overlooks the harm he receives from others, while suffering hardship in doing so. And sabr for an individual is that a person tolerates the wrongs of his own self. So Imam Qushayri separated the lesson that we can take from this for ourselves in saying that halim, if we have hilm, tolerance, it is that we endure the, the, the hardship that others put upon us and are patient with others. 
And regarding sabr, he said this is having patience uh, against our own selves, the wrongs that our nafs, that our lower selves do. Being patient with that. Or those things that our lower selves want to do that are not good for us, being patient with that. And not doing those things. Right? So somebody wrongs you, and you want to lash out at them. Get angry, and you want to yell at them. But you have patience against that. And it is, uh, he says that a person must affirm religious and rational resolve in opposing impulses of passion or anger. So when we are moved to do something because of our nafs, when we are moved to act out on our anger, then we have to, have, we, we have to affirm our, rigid, our, our religious and rational resolve. Always look back to what is more, what is better. What did, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intend? That how should we act? Sometimes you try to remind people that like, you know, don't let shaitan get the better of you. And then that's when like they get even more angry. So we have to be wise in how to remind others. But most importantly, we have to take this as a lesson for ourselves. We get so caught up in preaching to other people, we forget to preach to ourselves. And when we are moved to act on our, uh, on our anger, then we have to remember what is, what is the sunnah of Rasulullah What did he do? What did he teach? What has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded? And then we have to go against that anger. So in that moment of, of that, you know, when your, your body is hot and you're, you're boiling in your stomach and you feel like, you know, this is what I just, I just want to do to this individual. You have to do exactly the opposite of that because chances are, when you cool down, you're going to remember that I, that wasn't the way I should have acted and you'll have regrets and now you'll have to face the consequences of those actions. And even in matters of speech, we can forgive each other when it comes to things we have said, but it, there isn't really taking it back, Right? We can forgive each other, but taking it back is difficult. Like it's, it, people remember it, you know? And you might forgive and forget for the most part, but years later something will happen and they'll trigger it again. So we have to be very careful in protecting our tongue as well. So he says that if a, uh, if a person has two opposing motives uh, and they repel the one leading to rashness and, and haste and incline to the one inducing them to delay, then that person will be called patient. So we have two opposing motives. We don't know what to do. We want to, there's two different paths we can take and we don't know which one to act on. If we move away from the one that leads to haste uh, and impulses, but we go towards that action which is more closely, which is more in, in the path of delaying, sitting and thinking about what it is we should do, what it is we should say, what path we should take, then we can say that a person has been patient. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or sorry, Rasulullah sallam has said, Al-anatu minallahi wal-ajalatu minash shaitan. That, um, uh, Al-ana is not, uh, is it patience? Yeah, Al-anatu is patience. So that patience is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Wal-ajalatu minash shaitan. And haste is from shaitan. Haste is from the devil. So the devil wants us to act. You know, and act on impulse. And how many people have acted on impulse, but they've lost the thing that they acted on, right? So like people acted on impulse to buy something, you know, to buy a stock, to put an investment into something. They jumped into some type of investment and then it was gone, right? It didn't benefit them. It went away because they didn't sit and think about it, right? They spent their money and they didn't think about what they were spending on. And that becomes, a, we, we convince ourselves in that situation when we really want something, we convince ourselves from every single angle that this is the way and this is the only way and there is no other way that is going to work and that there is no other way that is going to benefit us. But it's at that moment that we have to take a step back. And if it is meant for us, it will still come to us. Right? That's why there's the sunnah of making salatu istikhara so that we sit back and have a moment to make our wudu, to make our salah and to 
make dua for it as well. That at least it gives us that moment of thinking and reflecting. But then what is the sunnah of Rasulullah To make mashwara as well. And also to look into the affair and apply your own mind. So all of these things, if we follow the sunnah, then that will protect us from being hasty. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, if we, if we repel the way of rashness and haste and go towards the, the action of delay, then it can be said that we are people who are patient. Because, why? Because haste has been overcome. And when we are patient, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَاسْبِرُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَا الصَّابِرِينَ That be patient, for indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the patient one. So, now going back to the horse and the rider example. A patient person is the one who uh, uh, takes control, puts the reins on their horse, puts the reins on their nafs. Be the rider that directs the nafs rather than letting it run wild and directing us. And all the matters of this dunya and all the matters of the akhirah, they are all achieved through patience. Everything is accomplished through patience. The best of what we want will always be accomplished through patience. There's that, uh, that uh, study that was done that children were offered one cookie now or two cookies in like a half an hour. And some kids, they couldn't take it. They just, they ate the one. And the kids that said, no, I'll wait a little while so I can have two. They were, they, each group, each individual was followed throughout their life. And they saw that generally speaking, those who were patient and waited uh, to get what, what, what they wanted, to get more of what they wanted later rather than getting lesser of what they wanted now, those people were generally more successful in life. They generally, in, in all different aspects of their life, they attained more success. And so, there is no, no pain, no gain, right? Patience is the path of difficulty. Patience is the path of pain. That if we are not face, feeling difficulty, if we are not feeling pain, then it cannot be said that we had patience. But in that, there is a silver lining for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is about to create an opening for us. Right, so pain, they mentioned that pain is pain of the flesh, which is hasty in what, uh, which is hasty in things that it wants, that the nafs wants, right, that the flesh wants, and laziness uh, in working for what it wants. It does not know measure, and it always wants more than it needs. So like we gave the example of gluttony or any other thing, right? The nafs just wants what it wants, and it wants it now, and it wants the most of it, and it wants more of it, and it wants more than it can even take, you know, and then... Then even in food, like people will hold their food for so long, they'll hoard it for so long that the food actually gets spoiled and it, it doesn't benefit them either, right? Which is actually why there is spoilage of food. To mention that the past nations, in the hadith, the past nations, they used to hoard their food and keep it and not give it out to the benefit of others despite them not needing it for themselves. And so because of that, Allah Ta'ala created the, uh, he, he, afflicted, he afflicted humanity and food with, the, with like being spoiled, and molding and, and rotting. <laughs> and so now, uh, if a person is patient, uh, then they will receive rewards that surpass the pain. As much pain and difficulty as you might be feeling, but you have patience, whatever pain difficulty you felt, the patience that you express, the patience that you show, the reward for that will far outpass, uh, uh, far surpass the pain that we felt and the difficulty that we felt. And if we are impatient, then the misfortune doubles. How does it double? It doubles because of the calamity that is on us. Uh, and secondly, we don't get the reward for having patience. Now, they go into a discussion saying regarding that, uh, you know, what is Islam? Islam? What does Islam mean? Huh? Yeah, what? Somebody said peace. You don't have to say who it was. Right? Islam doesn't mean peace. Islam means submit. 
to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Islam means. Salam means peace. Yeah, salam means peace. Right? Root word is the same. So you can say that Islam is, you know, that you find peace when you submit. But submit to who? Not submitting to people. Submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it is meant. That's what's meant. So some people will come and be like, yeah, Islam means submit. See, now you guys want to convert everyone by the sword. No, it means submit to what Allah Ta'ala has decreed and, and said is good and what Allah Ta'ala has said is bad. Right? So, uh, uh, submitting requires patience. Islam is to submit and to submit requires patience. And patience is a sign of faith. Patience is a sign of faith. So the question is, how do we know if we have been patient? Imam Qushayri, rahimullah, he says that when, when a conflict takes place between the impulses of wisdom and desire, if you have firm control over the impulses of desire then you have been patient. So what happens? There's a conflict that between impulses of wisdom uh, uh, and desire. If you have fir- firm control over against acting on your impulses uh, uh, and your desires, then you, can, uh, uh, you know that you have been patient. So you had an impulse to act on your desires, but you held back and you didn't act on it. So then now you can say that you have been patient. It says that commendable patience is of two types. So commendable, good, uh, uh, praiseworthy patience is of two types. Patience while conducting acts of obedience to Allah and patience regarding abstention from acts of disobedience. So this is kind of highlighted as we mentioned the three types of patience, right? Patience uh, on the obedience of Allah, patience against, uh, uh, patience against doing sinful things and patience on what Allah Ta'ala has decreed. Now people are classified into three different categories regarding patience. There is the sabbur. Tasabbur. You can spell it as T-A-S-A-B-B-U-R. Tasabbur. This is the first and the lowest form. That this is tolerating patience and hardship. Some opt to follow tasabbur by simply tolerating it. Something happens and you simply just, you know, endear it. And, and nothing really beyond that. This is the lowest level. The second type is sabr. And this is that you willingly accept the various norms of destiny and affliction decreed on you. And those who persevere while drinking its bitter cups. Why does the ulama mention its bitter cups? Because to have patience, it requires drinking the bitter cups of patience. Because it's difficult. As we mentioned, if, it's not, if you don't find difficulty in it, well then, it's not really patience because it wasn't hard for you. So, being patient is to swallow the bitter cups of patience, which, is the difficulty, the, which are the difficulties. So, if we do that without frowning and without losing ourselves by complaining, this is sabr. So what is it? Willingly accepting the various things that happen uh, and we persevere despite the difficulty without frowning, without losing ourselves by complaining. So what, you know, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, when he was in Ta'if and he had endured 10 years or so of difficulty and persecution uh, and he took refuge in the orchard after, after the people came out and they threw stones at him. Then what did he do? He didn't say, oh Allah, why are you making, you know, why are you doing this to me? That's what we end up saying. What did, what did he say? He said, oh Allah, I only complain to you of my own weakness. His only complaint was his own weakness. Right? He said, I'm weak. And that's what, I'm feeling this, I'm weak. Right? So he wasn't actually complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that why are you putting me through this? The third type is called istibar. And istibar is getting used to being patient. So we become so accustomed to hardship that we find ourselves spiritually uplifted and elevated when difficulties come upon us and our soul is at ease so it's still difficult for us but we are at peace with it that and not like not in the you know sometimes we just go through 
we just let the time pass and, we, and like so many difficulties come upon us and we just sit there like, you know, complaining against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but uh, we're complaining against him and we're just letting the time pass that, oh yeah, this always happens to me, right? I just have, I just have it bad. I'm always the one that's punished. I'm always the one that has pitfalls. I'm always the one that faces these difficulties. As though we're saying nobody else is the one who faces them. That's not istibar. That's not patience. Istibar is that despite all of that happening, we feel that joy that, you know what, this is difficult, but I know Allah Ta'ala is going to make an opening for me. And you actually welcome that difficulty. And this is the highest status, but this is a very high status. It's very difficult to attain this status. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran, Ya ladina amanu, isbiru wa sabiru wa rabitu tuflihun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that, O oh, you who believe, have patience and compete with each other in patience. So what? When you are in a conflict with someone, then be more patient than they are being. What do we end up doing? They act, they act out, now we have to one-up them. And we have to act out worse, louder, stronger. What should we do? No, we should look and we should say, no, let, let, me, let me have more patience than this person is having. Think, remind ourselves that just as this individual is getting so angry, uh, let my, and I don't like what they are saying, let myself not get angry so that I don't say something that they dislike. And it's going to be tough because at that moment, we don't care what we want to end up saying. We want to say what they don't like. But then we have to remind ourselves and go back to, well, I have this impulse to do this thing, to make them feel bad, let me not do that, so that I can be of the patient ones. Rabitu, uh, Rabitu is to, uh, you know, guard, it's, it, 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 there's like, guard the frontiers, right? So physically, geographically, Muslim lands, right? To guard that, but also ideologically and spiritually. And this is why this verse has been brought, uh, this is also why it's been brought, that spiritually, protect your faith. Protect your heart. Don't transgress against yourselves, right? So, rabitu, uh, rabitu, we have that, uh, that, what is it that we can control? We can only control ourselves. So, protect ourselves from transgressing. <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran that people of patience will be given a higher status than others who do good. So other people, some people do a great amount of good. Those who do patience, they are given an even higher status. Can you look up the, the verse, the other verse? Uh, So we don't want to complain against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and sometimes, you know, we need a reminder, right? We need to be reminded of the good things and to be patient and whatnot. Um, but not to complain as to why is Allah ta'ala doing this to me? We can reach out to someone and say, you know, this is very difficult for me. Um, you know, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how to act. And I'm, you know, people will end up saying like, you know, I'm, it's, I feel like I'm losing hope. They'll end up saying those things. We should try to refrain from saying I'm losing hope, but that might be the reality. And sometimes we're just seeking advice, right? And so we want to relay the situation to, to an individual. But that's not, um, yeah, that's not, might not be the highest level of patience like we mentioned, but the highest level of patience is very difficult. Very few attain that level of patience. Um, but simply reaching out to somebody for advice, I, I, don't, I don't think that would be complaint unless we are actually reaching out to them and complaining 
against Allah, right? And sometimes people will do that. They see you as a religious figure. So like, they'll come and they'll complain to you thinking that they're getting back at Allah by saying all these things to you about Allah and stuff like that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we don't look down at anyone because when someone's in a difficult situation, like, we've all been in difficult situations. You don't, it's, you do things that are unbefitting uh, and unbecoming of yourself. So we don't look down on people for doing that, but always try to take a lesson for ourselves. You know, so but don't, don't, don't let yourself say that, why is this happening to me? In the sense of like, I don't deserve this. We might think like, hmm, maybe I did something wrong and that's why it's happening to me, right? And just because something is afflicting us, it doesn't mean that we did something wrong, right? We talked about this before. I thought it was just, perhaps he's testing us. Does that answer your question? Somewhat. So you said, how, how do you differentiate between? Yeah, so as long as, as long as you're not saying anything, uh, as long as you're not saying anything that uh, uh, against Allah Ta'ala, right? That He's doing this to me and I don't deserve this, those types of things, right? But reaching out and saying, you know, I'm going through this difficulty um, and, you know, keeping it along that level, you know, maybe even asking for advice or something like that, but not complaining against the affair of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, right? Yeah, so don't, don't complain against Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Yeah. He's looking it up. In the okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they never lost assurance due to what afflicted them in the cause of Allah, nor did they weaken or submit. And Allah loves us steadfast. Yeah. <coughs> what was your question? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, you have to hear yourself. I was just going against my impulses and asking. <laughs> 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 um, so, like, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, so sometimes people will kind of use like this whole concept of sabr to not like change the situation that they probably should be trying to change. Yeah. So how do you know like where is the cutoff between like sabr and like too much sabr? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that uh, you know you can have uh, too much sabr, um, but um, sorry, what was your question again? Like, okay, so for example, um, there was one time I was talking about, like, sexism in the community or whatever, and someone was like, oh, girls just need to, like, have summer, and uh, they'll be rewarded for it. And so just, like, don't do much about it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a kind of a cop-out, right? Like, oh, just have patience, I'm going to do something wrong, right? And you have patience despite my wrongs. That's, that's not a correct understanding of... Like, yeah, we should be patient when others are doing things that are wrong, but that doesn't give the people doing the wrong an excuse to continue their wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you do try and change things, but when things are out of your control, so you can work to try and change things, but when things are out of your control, then you, you, you try and have patience with it, right? But it doesn't mean like, you know, like the Prophet was not a pushover, right? He was very patient, but he was not a pushover, you know? Um, and, and when he was in Makkah Mukarramah, he couldn't, he wasn't able to change the situation that was there. He was still trying. He was still trying to convince the Quraysh to change, to, to relent, to let up. They weren't doing it. So he continued to have patience, but he continued working to better the situation. And when, he wasn't a, when it got to a, a level that like, people were being persecuted, then he left. Right? I mean, like years of persecution, and when it got to a point where like, it was going to be genocide, he left. Right? And, and the, the Sahaba left. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, others should not take that. I mean, if they say that, like, oh, just have patience, um, uh, and they say it in a sense of, I don't want to change what, what's happening, uh, then they should be reminded that, like, you know, if you recognize that it's wrong, then you should do it. Then you should work to make it better. You know what I mean? Um, so we have to continue working to make things better, but, but in the event that we're not able to or the time that it takes to make it better, continue having, having patience, you know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجَرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ So what is the reward for patience? Uh, that the patient are only, uh, the patient will be given their full measure with, without any account. Allah ta'ala will give them such a high reward without any accountability. Right? That is what is, well, uh, that is the reward for patience. And most things, Allah ta'ala has said what the reward for those things will be. But when it comes to patience, Allah ta'ala has left it open. He didn't define the reward for it. What does that do? That leaves more of an opening of a greater amount of reward. Now it's like whatever you can imagine, but Allah Ta'ala can give you more than what you can imagine. So Allah Ta'ala will give you what, you know, the, uh, in His ability to do so. And His ability is, it's not finite, right? It's infinite. And so we can't even uh, comprehend what Allah Ta'ala can, can give us. And there's the famous hadith of Rasulullah where he said that... Um, you know, the state of the believer is always good. Why? Because when they are, uh, when they have some goodness come to them, then they are thankful. And when they are facing difficulty, then they have patience. And so there is reward for that. And in Surah A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, رَبَّنَا أَفْرِغْ عَلَيْنَا صَبْرًا وَتَوَفَّنَا مُسْلِمِينَ That, O oh, our Lord, uh, pour patience upon us and let us die as Muslims. And recognize, remember, you know, one, one verse that has always, always given me an opening and, and always given me hope is a surah that most of us probably know. If we don't know it, it's very, very short. We can memorize it. Uh, that from, Alam nashrah laka sadarak. Right? It's the 94th surah of the Quran. And Allah Ta'ala says, it's like four or five verses long. And Allah Ta'ala says in there that, uh, in, uh, what is it? That verily with every difficulty there is ease. Indeed with every difficulty there is ease. What does this mean? Why does this give you hope? Because the grammatical makeup of this sentence, without going into it because I'll probably lose you guys, but the grammatical makeup of this sentence is such that Allah Ta'ala is referring to one difficulty. With every one difficulty there's going to be two openings. There will be two, two, uh, uh, two things of comfort and ease that will follow every single difficulty. Now, should we ask for patience? We should ask for patience when there's difficulty. When we, if we're not facing any difficulty, then we'd rather ask for afia. Because if we're not facing any difficulty, afia is goodness. So when we're not facing difficulty, then uh, if we ask for patience. Allah Ta'ala might afflict us with something so that He can answer that dua of us having patience. And the Prophet said, when he made that dua in Ta'if also, he used the word afia and he said that afia is more accommodating for me. You know? <clears throat> Any questions? So the book's actually not finished yet, but I think we'll end there. The names are finished, and now he goes in you know, a few more chapters, details and intricacies and whatnot. Um, but uh, we'll, finish, we'll finish there. Yeah? Um, okay, so from the beginning for Arashid, I was wondering, you were talking about discipline and just discipline enough. So I was wondering, like, how would you start out doing that? Like... Uh, 
as the as the Mashaikh say, uh, li- less less speaking and less con- uh, like uh, lessening your, the the amount that you speak, the amount that you laugh, and the amount that you eat. No, not the amount that you laugh. Um, although that's a good one too. S- uh, speech, sleep, and food. The sleep is laughter. Sleep, right? Yeah. So lessening all that. Why? Because those are the things that our nafs love the most. If we lessen our laughter, that will also be good. Like we shouldn't hysterically laugh. And yes, we all do it, right? Like just because I say all these things doesn't mean I've inculcated all these things into my life. Although we should have the hope, right? But the, the, Allah Ta'ala give us that tawfiq. But uh, because too much laughter, it, it hardens the heart. There's a hadith of Prophet And lit- you can feel it sometimes. There's been times I've had so much fun, you literally feel that hardness in the heart. Like... You know, you just want to keep on going and you, want to, you then start wanting to ignore the duties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, the obligations that Allah, Allah ta'ala has, uh, has made for us. Um, but less speech, less sleep, and less food. And food especially. That's why fasting is so important because fasting breaks the nafs, right? Um, so if we can at least start out by following the hadith of one-third, one-third, one-third. And the hadith, by the way, didn't say eat to one-third and drink to one-third and leave one-third for air. The hadith actually said, eat that amount that keeps your back straight. And if you want to eat more than that, then eat to one-third. Right? So that amount that keeps your back straight is like barely anything. Right? But if you want to eat more, okay, don't go beyond one-third, one-third, one-third. Are you sinful for going beyond one-third, for filling yourself? No, you're not sinful for it. But it will have negative spiritual effects. And one of those negative spiritual effects is that it will... Uh, empower the nafs and patience will be more difficult. Right. Any other questions? Okay, you guys can ask afterwards. The food's already cold, sorry. Allahumma anta salam ka salam tabarak tayyad al jalali wa ikram sami'ana wa ta'ana wa furanaka rabbana wa laykul masir Allahumma gfir lana dhunubana wa tahir qulubana wa hassan furujana Ya Allah, forgive us of our sins, our major sins, our minor sins. Ya Allah, you are the most merciful of those who have mercy. O Allah, for the sake of your beautiful names and for the sake of the ones in whom your names are manifest, lead us on their path, Ya Allah, and let us, let us see your attributes everywhere and cleanse the mirror of our hearts so that we may see your beauty reflected within it. Ya Allah, forgive us of our sins. Ya Allah, forgive us of our major sins, our minor sins. Let us be of those people who, who, who take heed from the hadith and bring these, the reality of these names into our hearts, Ya Allah, so that you protect us from the fire, Ya Allah, and that you grant us paradise, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let us love you, Ya Allah, and you love us, and let us love Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and let him love us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, let us be beautiful reflections of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let us be beautiful reflections of him and what he taught, and love to follow his sunnah and make it easy for us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, whenever faced with a situation, always grant us the success, the success and the tawfiq to do what is best and what is most pleasing to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you by all of your names to forgive us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those that all those that contributed in putting this program together, Ya Allah, bless them and protect them and, and protect them and their families and grant them and their families guidance, Ya Allah, and do not let any of them or any of us go astray and grant us the best of this world and the hereafter, Ya Allah. And Ya Allah, all those that have attended any part of this, Ya Allah, uh, especially those that have attended most or all, Ya Allah, grant them the highest stages of Jannah, Ya Allah. Let us be with Rasulullah Sallallahu in the Akhirah, Ya Allah, as we, have not, as we have not had the privilege of being his companions in this life. Let us be with him in the hereafter, Ya Allah. We beg of you and ask of you for all the good that Rasulullah sought from you and we seek refuge in you from all the evils that Rasulullah sought refuge in you from Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun Wa Salamun Al Mursaleen Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Jazakumullah Khairan So as we mentioned this is the last class of this term because I'm going out of town next week um, otherwise we would have had a class next week
Uh, and then next term, inshallah, we'll continue with a different subject.